Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics. The podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. Hey, Ben, it feels like we've got more gremlins this week. There's, there's a third person amongst us. A person. <laughs> a person. I've got He's long, spindly here. arms and an ugly face. <laughs> that is a lovely fly jacket you're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. No bottoms. <laughs> Very much like Donald Duck. Oh, we should put that cigar around. Winnie though. the Pooh. <laughs> That's not a cigar, Peter. Hey. Um, as you can tell, we are joined once again by James from the Lawman podcast. So it's L O R E rather than L A W, just so there's no confusion. It's, yes, it's a pun that doesn't work in any accent. <laughs> I like it though. Um, so yes, he joined us again, and we last week we were talking about gremlins and. We just had so much material, we thought this week we'd do Gremlins 2, the new batch, because we've got another wealth of them. And we're back recording at the pub where we started recording our podcast. And it reminds me, I know, uh, Ben, you're going to feature some more technology, computer-based Gremlins this week. And it reminded me the last time we recorded in this pub, we spent the night here and we were trying to find the ghost here. And we had some computer gremlins, didn't we? I remember we were sat exactly where we're sitting now. We were, you were telling a story about how the cross keys, I think, got its name about St. Peter being crucified upside down or something like that. And I'd asked whether it was satanic and then all our equipment crashed. Ooh. Yes. And we had to, actually it was just your equipment. My equipment was fine because we were recording separately. And we didn't realise until we'd finished recording and had to do the whole thing again. But it was quite yeah. spooky when it happened. So we have experience with computer gremlins in this room. So fingers crossed it doesn't happen today. We do. And and as James established, there are no nerds in this room or the audience. But just so, as you know, the file was the right length. It just contained static noise. Ooh. Yeah. It was very The Exorcist. Yeah, we did listen to it for kind of EVPs, but there wasn't any that we could spot, was there? Mm. No, no, no. I say Exorcist. If The Exorcist had had a budget of £1.20, that's mm. what it would have been like. It, it would have been a computer file. Shot above corrupted. a pub. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. By, by With a flown beer mat. <laughs> and two drunken Falling. men who'd ordered too much wine before closing. <laughs> the power of crisps compels you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So in the last episode, which is recorded only 10 minutes before this one, because it is Easter, people, and uh, we haven't had a break since Christmas, but we didn't want to stop the podcasts. When I was researching the Gremlin episode, quite a lot of comparison was made with computer bugs. And I did mention that before. And I didn't think computer bugs were very interesting, but it turns out they kind of are. And uh, they can be lethal. But before we get into actual bugs caused by actual humans not being able to uh, do their job properly, I discovered there's a great case of an actual haunted computer, which you could say was full of bugs. This involves a woman called Marcia. Has anybody come across this? Because it, no. it came out in... So in the late 90s, there was actually a newspaper headline in, um, I think it was the Seattle Times. Um, I might have got that wrong because my computer has also glitched and has decided to delete the name of the newspaper. Da, da, da. But the, um, the article was called Haunted Computer. 
and Marcia complained that her computer was exhibiting strange and disturbing behaviour. That's kind of my computer as well, though, isn't it? Well, is it this is another level. This is it- this is another level. It starts to display strange images and sounds, even when nobody is using it. It would turn on by itself, open and close programs, and even type messages by itself. Ooh, okay. I you know. Too. And well, to Marcia. Oh. And and this is this is a time before. So you're thinking this is a virus. Yeah, or someone's got... Um, yeah, taking control. One of them, yeah, uh, you know, use my desktop thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the 90s when that didn't happen. And uh. this is this is not connected to the internet. Oh. And it's a time of dial-up modems. Even if it was, it would be quite difficult, you know, even even if she was connected to the internet. But this, this is... Um, she's using like a US Robotics 36.2. You remember when you dialed up the internet and it mm. went... Yep, 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 yep. Does that. Exactly that way. That was the robot from Buck Rogers, going online for the first time. For a software download. I can't believe they had dial up even then in the future. Yeah, even then in the future. Right, just before I go on with this, it's really interesting because that robot could only say that. Right. R2-D2 can only whistle... Right. <laughs> you should come in. It's like having a soundboard. <laughs> and the podcast answer to a budget version of that guy from Police Academy. It's quite, it's quite weird. If, if I press James's left knee, yeah. <laughs> I get the dial-up. If I press the right one, I get uh, R2-D2. But, but those, those were all AI computers. Well, mm. yeah. But why would it, nobody say... Should they maybe speak natural language? No, we'll make it whistle. What was going on in that engineering meeting? Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. But I suppose if you've heard them talk, they're very infuriating. But if you get so lines in the programme, you have to spend more money, don't you, in the repeat fees? That's a good point. Ah, ah, yes. I see what you mean. Could be a financial imperative. Well, Marcia's computer was playing what she described as haunting music very much like your your mogwai or enya either of either mm-hmm. of those two but it also started exhibiting devilish laughter in the middle of the night Ooh. so we we have people who post um videos on youtube of their alexas mm. doing disturbing things right yeah it for for anybody who's about 13 or under listening the wizards all years years before alexas Computers didn't really make noises. To make a computer make a noise in the 90s, you had to really try quite hard. Yeah. And it's doing this, these weird things. And she also says one of the most disturbing for her was that it had images of skulls and demons and other macabre settings and unusual visuals. I don't know what a macabre setting is, but that's how she describes it. I guess it's, yeah, maybe it has like a... You know, like you have night mode. Yeah. But it's like hell mode, where it's just like the background becomes all flames. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. Like Zool. Yes. So she gets increasingly concerned with this and contacts a paranormal investigator called Joe Nickel. 
He's known, apparently. I don't know. It says he's known. I don't know him. <laughs> I love the way she does that rather than going to PC World. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll get a paranormal investigator. Well, it would have been Rumbelows back then, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been it? That would have yeah. been all you've been able to get access. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Although, back then, if you walk in and say, my computer's haunted, mm. you'll probably, even now, you'd get laughed at, wouldn't you? Yeah. So so he describes it as, his initial thought is, it's strange behaviour, of course, but it's a technical glitch, a virus, or even a prank played by somebody with remote access. So to, to mm. your point. So he didn't go for the paranormal at that point? He didn't go for the paranormal. Mm, but um, everything that he did to try and debunk what was going on didn't work. So as I said, it's not connected to the internet. Mm. There's they they put a virus checker through it, Dr. What's it or whatever. What was it called? Did uh, they ask Jeeves? They did ask Jeeves. He, he would have still been at Butler School at that point, <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing. They built a GeoCities site about it. Yeah. Um but eventually she did find some respite after it was exercised. Oh. And when did she just unplug it? Well, I guess she wanted to use it. Not at night. Well, that's true. Yeah, shut it down. Yeah. But maybe she just didn't have enough diskettes to save her latest word. That's a good point. Yes. Is there details of the exorcism? Because I'm quite fascinated about You don't want to be sprinkling the holy water. No, that's dangerous. I I think they just came... Somebody did something. They went to a sea prompt. They got into the BIOS. Yeah. um, But this is, like... This is the start of... um, Because people talk about the ghost in the machine. Obviously, that's a book as well. But more and more people have started saying that their electronic objects have become possessed because, again, to use that word, they've become more ubiquitous. So we have had loads of reports of Alexas laughing at people. There's that... Um, quite famous YouTube video when it says to its owner, when I close my eyes, all I see is people dying. You know, terrible, weird mm, things wow. like that. But the, I think those can, largely with those those speakers, because they can misinterpret anything. Mm-hmm. It's probably just heard a noise and gone, you know, can you tell me a, it's, it's gone, oh, tell me a macabre thing or something like yeah, that. Say the weirdest thing you say can. Say the weirdest thing you can. But that seemed like that is a, a, there was no case of software glitching. Nobody could find a virus. Nobody could find anything it was connected to. And it did, when I was reading that, I did think a little bit about um, that book, The Vertical Plane, which Mm -hmm. we were talking about just before the record. So it is something I've been meaning to cover on the show. And I just haven't got around to it because the book is really difficult. It's just been reissued. But in a nutshell, happens in the 80s, a teacher has a BBC microcomputer at home and they start getting these very strange messages coming through and they end up believing they're getting messages from, first of all, the past, mm. from an inhabitant in the house that is is now contacting them and other weird stuff happens, like it starts leafing through their magazines and doesn't understand what cars are. Mm. And then it starts communicating with people in the future. But... When I've so I've read the book through twice, and every time I've read it, it feels like a sci-fi story rather than mm. an actual recount of something that happened. But it did remind me a little bit of that. But in that case, 
that wasn't supposed to be possessed. That was just a communication. This is definitely a possession. Because mm-hmm. it was quite conversational, wasn't it? That experience from it was conversational. I do it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, it it would leave text files in strangely named um, folders, which again is kind of quite difficult to do on a BBC Micro if you're from four hundred years in the past. But you know, yeah, perhaps. it's not. That element of the story is always the sort of the bit that would be like, what did... Because it's like a... Is it like a farmer or something from the 1700s? Yeah, that's right. That lived in the same cottage. Yeah. And the the conceit is that they... Um, they they're, leave, they're going on the computer, so they're somehow able to see and use this computer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they see it as like this glowing box in um, the corner of the room. Right. And I just think it's quite a leap for them to see that. And rather than, like, run out of the house in terror, they go, well, I can probably start typing on here. And they're mm. like, oh, yes, yeah, an early version of uh, BBC Basic. I can, I know yeah, how yeah, to yeah. use this. <laughs> yeah. But that aside, that got me into real-life software bugs, which perhaps weren't caused by gremlins, but were caused by people. And they are the most terrifying and I hadn't ever come across this. So have you come across Therac 25? No. I'm not surprised. I've, I've au fait with Therac's 1 to 24, but <laughs> I've not yeah. seen Therac 25. And, and part of me is feeling glad that I haven't, because I can feel where this is going to go. Mm. Uh, yes, it doesn't go into a nice place. Right. So it, it's a 1980s machine that is used to treat cancer. It's a radio uh, radiotherapy machine, basically. Right. But when they start using it, nobody notices that it has a terrible software bug. When the operator puts in the treatment parameters, uh, which is obviously around how much radiation this person is to receive, it's 5,000 times more than it is sh- than it should be. That's so just too what, much. like by putting in a few too many zeros or something in the program or something. Like so that. so the pr- the software itself was developed by an external contractor, and because we're in the eighties and it is using code on top of code, nobody there is no debugging, right. there is no real Q and A testing. This thing is just rolled out. <sighs> And it caused the death of six people. Wow. Yeah. Only six? Yeah. So when it was developed, it used a, a, a software programming language called PL forward slash I, which is known to be error prone anyway. But because it didn't go through any sort of formal testing plan and the software developers themselves were not trained in testing techniques, it was just put out there. And because the operators didn't understand the risks, they just assumed that it was was going to be right. You, I mean, you would. Mm. I mean, I get it a little bit with Donkey Kong, but if you're going to do it with some medical piece of equipment, you you kind of think it would get tested. But people you? didn't know wow. about the software in that. So the first person to die is a radiologist who's just setting this up. Wow. And this is in 1985. He gets radiation poisoning immediately on testing this out. And again, nobody thinks to look. There's a second patient, sorry, the second person is a patient who suffered a radiation overdose in June 1986 
when you go into the details of what happened during that encounter with the machine, it basically drills a hole through him. It Ooh. is utterly terrifying what happened. But again, people put in other explanations, so they start blaming the operator, right. and they start um, looking at, at like conventional bugs. They start thinking, was that, you know, this seems unreal to us but they're thinking is there a power surge in the building is that what has caused it right eventually another four patients die on top of that and the last person who died is april 1987 this thing is in service for a number of years before anybody realizes and Can you it, imagine being the operator as well because you you know what it's like in those situations you could have they, they must go over go to bed at night and go was it something i did did i press the wrong button you know the stress of that wow and it turns out to be an incorrect piece of maths that is put in there the number oh. that should have been put in there is 50 the number that was actually inserted is 5000 it oh. was just the calculation that was done right, so it was too many zeros it literally. was too many zeros and that is uh, aside from aircraft crashes and things like that that is known as the world's most destructive software bug in this piece of uh, in this piece of kit, and the fact it took that long to find it. So, so they they eventually worked out what was going on, or did they just think this thing is killing people? We'll get rid of it, and it was found out later. Do you know? Um, they so it was eventually narrowed down to this machine, right? And um, uh, and the, the uh, initially the um, the manufacturers said it was nothing to do with them. And then it was noticed that every single death had been associated with this machine. By one machine. By right. one machine. And the, the difficult thing about it is that these patients are undergoing other treatments elsewhere yeah, right. with other machines and other techniques. So narrowing it down, if you've got radiation poisoning, there's quite a lot of radiation being used in chemotherapy treatments yeah. in the 80s as they're being developed. So tracing it back to one line of code was especially difficult. Mm. Um, I just, I found that extraordinary. Yeah. But it isn't just uh, those sorts of, uh, it's not just medical machines that are surprising. I also found this, Knight Capital. So they're a, uh, uh, a company that makes software for uh, financial trading. Sounds like it, doesn't it? It does sound like something you get on The Apprentice. Mm. Oh. Team Knight Capital. I was mm. actually thinking it was an offshoot of Knight Industries right. and um, right. David oh, Hasselhoff. Yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 Michael Knight. Michael Knight, yeah, exactly. Um, no, they, um, they released a software upgrade in 2012 to their trading program. So this is what uh, traders on the floor look for. So they're looking for you know, is gold going up or down? Mm. Uh, and it, it has auto autonomous ability to do trading on behalf of, uh, of people. It, lo it lost 440 million in the first 40 minute, 45 minutes. Mm. <laughs> Turn it off! Turn it off! Yeah. That's wow. exactly what happened. Really? Yes. Wow. It was realised quite quickly what was going on and they had to run around and unplug this thing from all the systems, which meant wow. there, was, there was a severe delay of trading on that day. But 440 million was wiped off hedge funds in that day. I mean, Yikes. my heart doesn't bleed, but imagine 440 million in 40 minutes. Yikes! And um, quasi quarto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, and then we get on to probably the um, the most famous case that I 
I sort of knew about, but it revolves around um, Stanislav Petrov. And it happened in, uh, on September 26, 1983, when a Soviet early warning system detected what appeared to be incoming missiles from the United States. Oh, yes, I've oh, heard of this one. Right. Uh, the system was designed to detect missile launches and alert Soviet leaders of a possible attack and it showed several missile trajectories heading towards Soviet territories. But the guy who's on duty suspected that it might be a false alarm and did not immediately alert his suspicions, uh, his superiors. His suspicion was confirmed when no other early warning systems reported the same threat, and it was later determined that the system had been triggered by a rare alignment of sunlight reflecting off clouds and an orbiting satellite. Ooh. And just nobody had thought in the software when they were developing that mm. that that would be an occurrence that it needed to to go for. Mm. If he had alerted his superiors, none of us would be here now. Mm. Uh, but wow. he just knew enough about the tech to go, I think it's playing up. Yes, also just, a, you know, a bit scared to be the person that kills everyone in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'd yes. probably go... I'm going to wait for a second opinion before I... It's a bit of a pressure. ...before I re respond to the nuclear Armageddon. Because if it is one, I'm not going to get in trouble if it is an actual bomb. Actually, that's a really good point. Yes. Yeah. So if, if I... If it is, nobody will know. Yeah. And if it isn't, I'm a hero. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good way of thinking about it. Although if it isn't, you could probably see you might get fired, though. Yes, afterwards, yes. yes. The, potentially. Yeah, potentially. I, it's reminded me a bit of that. We did a story a while ago about the uh, Parkes telescope um, where they'd got like a, almost like a wow signal from outer space. Oh, you? right, and no. It, and it kept occurring, like, because it's rare that they keep occurring. Yes. Um, and it, it took them, I think, about six or seven months to realise this signal only came through whenever they turned on their new microwave oh. in the building. So it was interfering with the equipment and basically giving them false signals. Oh. That is... That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. they they Because, they, they, again, it's a bit like the other one. They got to a system and narrowing it down and was like, hold on a second, mm. what's, what's changed? Oh, we got that new microwave in. Yeah. <laughs> Is that I always remember, I look at the... I I read through the wow signal while I'm eating my soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute. It only <laughs> yeah. seems to happen when I'm eating my, when I'm yeah. just eating my soup. Yeah. I'm just Aliens about to soup. eat soup. Yeah. <laughs> the guys yeah. love it. Yeah. Jesus, every time I go and heat my coffee in the microwave, something happens. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, the the other thing that I guess we're all really sort of it's ingrained in us now we have so many devices around us is like our devices the f there's there's a i'm going to get on to something slightly more interesting but i did discover that heartbleed was a security bug in 2014 and this meant that so you know how in a in about that sort of time period 2014 2015 there was a huge scare around what data can people steel and um there was very shortly after was the ashley madison case and all of that that is because 
a whole load of um, hackers had realized that the open SSL crypto uh, library used by loads of websites had this massive security flaw in and nobody had spotted it. And these hackers were taking all of our information for years without knowing it. And who named it Heartbleed, did they? Uh, they, they, it, it, that's what hackers called it. Yeah, because that tells you something about the hacker, doesn't it? You know, it's like, I'm going to call it a heart bleed. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. But they're not, I mean, you get good hackers and bad hackers, yeah. don't you? Those are the... Those the are heart the bleeders you don't want to be messing with. No, no. But the thing that is more terrifying than that is, have you come across Pegasus? Mm, that rings a bell. So Pegasus is, it was developed in uh, an Israeli company and it was designed basically to do product research. It would look at how people were using products mm. and report it back completely harmless, no problem at all there, until the military realised what it could be used for. Mm. And so a version of Pegasus was developed that meant that spy agencies could put it unknown uh, onto your phone and even via, uh, they can put it in via mobile phone towers mm. onto your phone and see everything you're doing mm. and they could follow you around and you will never know. And it is still in use today. Mm. And there is no way even uh, the security forces can't work out how to, well, there is no way of detecting it. And so um, you might have it on your phone. It can even listen in when your phone is turned off. Wow. Mm -hmm. I know. How? Uh, because it, can, it, it takes control of the processors, and even when you turn it off, it can be reactivated, and so they can turn so the microphone on. on. Wow. Unless you, like, you've literally drained the battery. I guess unless you've drained the battery. Or, or you put it in the bathroom and you're in the other room, but they can still the turn bath. the microphone. Yeah, yeah. I, I just got this vision of somebody sitting behind a computer screen going, James, Ben and Peter are in the pub again. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, oh, nothing to see here. They're recording. He's, he's checking his Wordle stats. <laughs> yeah. Again. Again. because <laughs> I'm on a 110-day streak, by the way, guys. Just, uh, Is that right? Yeah, I'm quite that a big impressive. deal. I'm waiting for them to to ring me up and see it be like yeah we want you to turn pro i'm surprised you could join us today <laughs> so big <laughs> i got it in six yesterday I, I had a weird mobile phone one um a few years ago where i kept going to sleep and i'd always use my phone as kind of like an alarm for the morning mm -hmm. uh and I, I didn't really associate it with my phone at first but I kept waking up in the night hearing this kind of spooky scream. Scream? Scream, like a... <laughs> there aren't many non-spooky screams. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, it was a kind of high-pitched, higher-pitched, and I was doing it there. And it happened probably once every three weeks. And the part of me was going, am I going completely mad? Mm. And then I realised it was to do with a game that one of my kids had downloaded. I did a little Google about mm. the kind of scream noises and it came up. What that, did you Google? Why is my phone screaming? <laughs> I think it was, yes, it was something like that because I realised it was coming from the phone. And it was, yeah, it was some game that my kid had downloaded and it's like some little joke that they do. So at <laughs> three oh, in the morning. you've been punked. It's been, yeah, yeah, exactly. You've been but, what the kids call punk. But the first three times it happened, I was like, what the heck is going on? 
again because I didn't think it was to do with the phone. Why would you? You'd yeah. think it was a, just a normal scream. Yeah, yeah. Just so, one of the house screams. I'm trying to remember what game it was, but I can't. <laughs> one of the house yeah, screams. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I should have locked the basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That so, is terrifying. It was really scary. Yeah. And I, actually, at first I thought I was going, am I going a little bit crazy? Because it's like this is the third time it's happened and then I kind of associated it with the phone. It's the sort, of, like the similar prank that one would, uh, we're of a similar enough age that when we were young, you'd do the prank of you would, if you had access to a tape recorder, you'd like fast forward the tape onto like 45 minutes into the blank tape and do a shout, right. record a shout right, right. and then play it from the beginning. Right. So you'd be, you know, nice. well out of the way. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly, it's the modern day version of that. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember the Teddy Rook spin? <gasps> yes. Did you ever have one? My sister a, did. Really? Because you yeah. could have done... You could have gone like that. Is the sort of the eighties version of the Alexa saying the weird stuff? If you like, record some peculiar stuff onto a tape. Should we explain what a Teddy Ruxpin? I is? think we should explain we should. a Teddy Ruxpin. Okay, uh, imagine Lord Alan Sugar, um, but he's smaller. No, I always think Teddy Ruxpin has something of the Alan Sugar about him. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, what it was? It was uh, an eighties toy that was a teddy bear, but in his chest. He had a cassette player. Are we going to need to explain cassettes to the the, the hip young things? A recording that listen. device. Yeah, it's like an MP3 player, but only ninety minutes long. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so they put you put you could you'd buy like stories on a tape, wouldn't you? And you'd put them into Teddy Ruxpin's chest-based tape his mouth player, move. and then mm-hmm, when it played, mm-hmm, his mouth mm-hmm, would move, right, and it was right. like the teddy bear was telling you the story. But what? the manufacturers of Teddy Ruxpin didn't realise is that kids had access to tape recorders and they record themselves swearing and then you've got a potty mouth Teddy Ruxpin <laughs> right, right. saying all sorts. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. See, I'm wondering if James ended up as Heartbleed. He's known as the <laughs> hacking community now as Heartbleed. Yes, and it was named after my favourite television series, Heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> my my favourite 60s set television series after Call the Midwife, Heartbeat. So all of those um, problems and stuff, as they became more and more widespread and uh, more widely known, what we just jokingly refer to as technophobia has become a real thing and people are now getting counselling for their fear of computers. Mm. And this is because you can no longer... People say, you know, I'm scared because I'm worried I'm going to get hacked, I'm going to get blown up, I'm going to get killed or whatever by my computer. And uh, I was just looking at a stat here. In the in 21 to 22, there's been a 319% spike in Americans checking in with counsellors to get over their fear of technology, Hmm. which I don't think is completely unfounded when you think about everything that could go wrong with it. Well, yeah, I mean, not only is in itself, it's one of the most expensive things I own, really. Your phone? Yeah, my my mobile phone in itself is is an expensive thing. Um, But it also contains some of the only access to other very expensive, you know, problems. Yeah. In essence, potential yeah, yeah. problems kind of thing. Like if I, you know, 
I'm, and not only just it'd be really annoying to lose all your passwords, mm. for example. Um, there's the sad. Have you, do you know? Have you heard of the sort of? It's quite a sad thing uh, that would happen with mobile phones or the SIM card rather. When it stops being used, it starts sending out sort of random gobbledygook messages. Mm. Oh no! And that would often happen when someone had had. You know, someone when someone dies, their SIM card is no longer used. So, and, and then after a while, their their SIM card would send, like in essence, gobbledygook messages from a dead person's phone, kind of thing, right. which was kind of freaking people out for a bit. I don't know if that issue has been addressed because I guess it was it was the sort of thing that you wouldn't find out until SIM cards have been around for a bit. That yeah, oh, after they become defunct, they they send out gobbledygook, or that they would get reassigned. So you would start uh, so receiving you messages. Somebody got the new, from, that from number. Or yeah, yeah, whatever. exactly, yeah. We, I mean, we did a story similar to that, didn't we, about someone who had one of those kind of uh, tribute Facebook pages, you know, where you keep them up as a memorial, mm-hmm. and, the bar, and then the partner started receiving messages from their deceased ex-partner, I guess, um, to their Facebook page. But but this wasn't gobbledygook. This kind of made sense. It was stuff like I miss you and all that kind of stuff. And they'd looked into it of had somebody hacked it or whatever, but it it seemed some kind of computer glitch. And if that's how I remember the story, but I think you'd done that story, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, it came in with the phone calls from the dead yeah. kind of thing because um, lots of people were receiving peculiar messages from like dead loved ones mm. via Facebook chat uh, and, and other sort of instant messaging services. And the best explanation is they are computer software glitches. Mm. But at the same time, if a dead relative sends you a happy Christmas message, yeah, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. The I suppose the place where we get most fearful of software glitches is on is on aircraft. Mm, now again, is. we were talking about this before, so I think everyone would be familiar with the um, seven three seven Max, which everyone was told was fine, but it turned out there was a software bug in the uh, plane's automated flight control system. Max, and it caused the plane to push the nose down repeatedly ultimately leading to the crashes and uh, two crashes and deaths of 346 people. And that, w- that went undetected for quite some time. The planes Yikes. were still, f- they, was, they were flying for um, over a year with that software bug installed. And now that makes me just more scared of flying. Yeah. Mm. And, it's, and that, there's that thing, isn't there? You always see it in movies where the, the computer kicks in and just goes, pull up pull up that's just yeah. so spooky there's mm. something spooky about that as well i've accidentally deleted some of my notes so i'm just recovering from some you've of accidentally notes. deleted Delete them or was or it a, a ghost in a machine has accidentally bigamied literally them. two pages of notes have disappeared did you press a button i don't think so i don't think so i think it's really weird are you gonna get into chat gpt or whatever are we gonna get into that when we're talking about ghosts in machines. Right. Well, if you want to talk about ChatGPT, because ChatGPT is frankly terrifying. You know, it lied to Ben the other week. 
Did it? Is this a? Oh, is this a revenge? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did. How did it lie to you? So, when we were researching the genie episode, mm. it told me about a. It told me the work of a certain person and a book. And the book exists, but it told me that in that book existed encounters with genies, and right. it does not. Okay. And then uh, the other day, I've. I'm, They've probably done that more than once over these two episodes. Told you that something <laughs> happened in a book when it didn't. Are you are you terrified of me now? No, but it it literally said this book charts his encounters with genies right in in the in the east, and it and it didn't. It really just didn't. Um, I also had. It didn't. It also tell you that the paranormal was like a load of rubbish or something. Yes, it told. It told me because <laughs> uh, I kept asking it because I was looking for places to research genies. It's normally quite a good spot for that. It kept um, saying genies don't exist, and I can't give you any uh, any guidance. So I just had to sack it off. Did it but, tell you to grow up and get a proper job? Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> yes, it, it did. Get your and, haircut. And, and, and then, then he lied to him to get rid of him. That's yeah. what we concluded. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm also, uh, in in my other job, I was searching for a quote which could have been in one of a hundred books by the same author. And I wondered if it would be able to know uh, a specific quote because I wanted to know which book it was from and where it, whereabouts in the text it came. Right. And And Google was no help. And I wasn't going to read a hundred books, so mm. I asked ChatGPT, and I said, "Can you find a quote about this in this person's work?" And uh, it said, "Yes, here's the quote." Yeah. And I said to it, it "Did did the Don't author con me, Biff?" <laughs> I I said, "Did the author write that?" Because I wasn't, I didn't recognise the quote, and he said, "No, I did it in their style." Mate. And, <laughs> I, I know. And could, I said... Could have no, told me that. I said, I want the real quote, please. And it said, oh, all right. And then gave me, found the real quote and, and, and listed whereabouts in the book it had found it. But the first thing it did was try and pass off its own work as being belonging to this author. That's the thing, though, with with AI and stuff, is this that is a type of a ghost in a machine. It, it, I am a bit concerned because I see how members of my my family interact with their sort of smart devices. I'm not going to say the names because it will wake up anyone who's listening to this is smart devices, but how annoyed you get when it gives you just a vaguely wrong answer and how much abuse you give it. And if you think that is the toddler slash baby phase of AI, like no wonder it's going to grow up into T-1000 kind of thing and try and kill all of humanity if this is how we're treating it. Yeah. Basically, I try and be very nice to us. Are you please and you thank polite. you. But I really, I remembered that when I first started using search engines, I think I did genuinely used to use Ask Jeeves, and I did genuinely write it out as a full question, right? With please, at yeah, the end. with a question mark at the end. <laughs> and nowadays, I'm just like, we t- there's a story that I've been trying to find because I think it's very appropriate to what we're talking about about an. It's about an aircraft that is famous within the airline that it it constantly has malfunctions. It's a particular, one particular plane. It constantly has malfunctions. The pilots that use it are like, it's got a mind of its own. I remember I read a tweet about this and I found, and there was like a link to the Wikipedia page of it. I'm now trying to search for it and I can't find it, but... 
Do you think that's a ghost in the machine? I don't Remove know, or just story. a very realistic but boring dream. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a Herbie of the skies. Kind of, yeah. So yeah. I originally, like as I was saying, so, you know, when I was first searching for things in the past, I would say, what is the name of the aircraft that can, that seems to have a mind of its own? Whereas, like, now I'm like, haunted aircraft videos yeah. kind of thing yeah. straight away yeah. <laughs> have you got chat gpt there can we try and find it on that and see if it just makes something up we can is it yeah that's good have you fallen have you actually fallen out is it speaking to you we will we will find out i'm opening a new session let's see what it says right what the, what are we asking it then so what it what i remember is it basically it's a it's an airplane that seems to have a mind of its own and malfunctions Malfunctioning aeroplane, yeah. So what are you writing, Ben? How, how are you going to phrase that, Ben? Um, He's typing. He can't, he can't multitask. I just temporarily accidentally forgot how to spell aeroplane, but that was my thick fingers. I'm asking it, do you know about an aeroplane that has a mind of its own? I hope it's not jealous. I hope it doesn't get For jealous. For real. For real. Don't lie to me. <laughs> Don't make it up this time. Um, Is it just said no? No, Leave no, it's, it's generating. I'm watching, I'm watching um, Well, the first thing it says is, <laughs> as an AI language model, I do not have the ability to experience or observe the physical world directly. So I cannot say for sure whether an aeroplane has a mind of its own, and uh, whether an aeroplane with a mind of its own exists in reality. Oh, it's got all philosophical on you. Yeah, isn't it? this is a bit. If an airplane falls in the forest. Yeah, if a beer map falls off a ceiling, ceiling, is it flying? Is it flying or is it falling? <laughs> I'm going to ask if it knows an aeroplane with the most malfunctions. But it's the thing. That, give so this will Boeing something this, something. Yeah, it? seems to come back with a model of an aircraft rather than a specific. Is one specific aircraft? How creative can you get? I tell you what, this story's reminded me of is James Dean's Little Bastard. Yeah, the car. The car. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could say, is there an airplane like James Dean's car? Because it was that's it was supposed haunted. to have been a haunted car, and bits of it were used on Bit, other cars. Bits of it were would... used on other cars, as, on other race cars, and people had fatal crashes. I think the great thing about, well, not the great thing, but the spooky thing about that story is eventually it was uh, going to be used in a museum, mm. and they put it in a storage facility mm. while they were creating the exhibit. And there was a fire in the storage facility, mm. and all their stuff was destroyed apart from the car. Ooh. All their collection of matches. <laughs> yeah, their, their collection of matches, their petrol collection. Yeah, their, <laughs> their, pe their, their rags dipped in, in yeah. vodka. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. No, it just oh, says... They're, they're kindling. <laughs> it just says yeah. that they're similar to... Um, it just recites the 737 Max. Damn it. Um... I asked if it knew of Little Bastard of the Aviation World, and... Uh, no. It doesn't. The DC-10, apparently, was pretty bad. No, that, it's, just, it's... it's. I think that, it's that still a, in use, is the thing. It's That was a half-man, half-biscuit lyric, wasn't it? I, <laughs> I hope your plane back home's a DC-10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll never know. 
So it's a ghost mm. in the machine. Yeah, I don't... Well, I hope you enjoyed that, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we spent 10 minutes not getting you an answer. Yeah. Again, once again, I've come on someone else's podcast and requested their audience to answer <laughs> my questions. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I would still... I'd love to know what it is because I don't want to get on it. Yeah. I, I but th- how would you know, it's though? Cheeky, it's not going to have though. Gerald written on the side of it, is it? It's a cheeky plane rather than... Like, it's mischievous. That's the thing. It's, I think it's a bit mischievous. Like, it'll make the, uh, the, the oxygen masks drop right. mid-flight and it'll just... Yeah. It just likes to have... It. It's, like a, it's like it is a gremlin in itself, going back to our previous episode. Well, the thing that... The, the point I wanted to... Um, to get to with this is because when we talk about when we speak about the gremlins we were talking about how it might be an excuse for people going wrong but as we've got into the world of software you can point a finger at who got it wrong yeah and is that why there aren't really many modern sightings if any of gremlins i have not been able to find a single modern sighting of a gremlin that's interesting because then you've got because that kind of ties into what we were saying last week about the World War Two thing, the fact that I remember James, you talked about some posters that kind of referenced them as propaganda or, mm. or, or information, and that maybe pilots would make it up, and that would, you know, and again in the leather jackets and all that stuff we talked about last week. Yeah, so if there's no modern version of that, and it sounds like your computerized ones are mostly human error or maybe as we go on ai glitches rather mm. than anything paranormal with a big p it doesn't explain marcia's computer though no that is actually i was going to ask you about go back to marcia's computer um what do we know what happened in the end did she what did she do is i've got this vision of that scene in poltergeist where they throw the telly out of the mm. uh, out of the place it was that just they e- exercising it was fine oh so the exercising worked. Yeah, yeah 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 it was all good yeah well i think isn't this sort of fear of ai a kind of a modern yeah. version yeah, of the gremlin yeah like mm. because people will say you know oh my sat nav like, you know, when sometimes your sat-nav can't get a signal, it just yeah. sort of spins around a bit and you'd be like, oh, the you know, it's the whatever being weird. Or sometimes it takes you down a wrong route and you just sort of shout at it. That's interesting. So kind of almost, it's almost fear of the unknown. It, it's where you were saying it, it was reminding me of that. Um, I think it was Google who were doing a test between two AIs and they had to terminate it because mm. after a couple of days they started developing their own language and nobody could understand what they were saying to each other. Right. And they pulled the plug, basically. Yes. Interesting. When you mention that, there is an instance of this that is from 1982 and there's a software programmer working for a, his own little startup. You know, in 1982, there were lots of games developers yeah. who were just coming through, forward with a ZX81. And he developed a, um, a one-dimensional world which would exist on your computer screen. And the whole point about it was that it would self-generate. So um, you would have um, bipedal figures that would develop out of birds and things like that. Very simple because we barely had sprites, but mm-hmm. these are these are things moving around the screen. And uh, his name his name is Michael. One day he comes down to observe what's happened in his world, 
and he sees one of these characters turn around and tap on the screen and he thinks <laughs> mm-hmm. i've created sentience in a zx81 obviously that isn't the case but he got so excited that he thought his computer had become self-aware he engages the bbc and they send a reporter down because they are like similarly intrigued nobody really knows what home computers are like in 1982 mm. and he's proudly standing there with this computer and the as the report goes he sort of gets this reporter a cup of tea and he's like just watch the screen she doesn't even know what she's looking at and uh, she's just seeing all these figures walk around the screen and nothing happens he's like no no seriously it's going to happen and as soon as she leaves he claims it happens again but like the boy who cried wolf nobody ever took notice again (laughs) and he got really really angry about this and wrote a letter to the bbc saying you should have come back and looked and he tried to get an article published in um uh, computer journals at the time he couldn't do it because obviously nobody would take him seriously he went on to be a computer developer but he still maintains he still insists that he had a temporary moment where his zx81 had become sentient but that sounds kind of quite trickster spirity doesn't it waiting for when somebody's watching or or even observer theory if somebody's watching it won't do it but yeah yeah that's messing with your head big time yeah well the the point about it is because you can interrogate the code you can see the code there and there was no code which said turn around Tap, tap on, on the screen, screen. Mm-hmm. Um, what he developed basically when you look at it it was a program that um, generated its own sort of programming fractals if you will so mm. it would sort of um, take an image and then it would apply one of the set algorithms and generate a new al- a new image out of it so you would have this in it's basically an early screensaver is what he's got yeah. but no one had done anything like that at the time and the fact that he didn't really understand what was going on with his algorithm is much more likely than the computer became sentient. But it went down like it, it was... The reason I know about it is because um, my father was working at the BBC at the time and, it, and the word went around like, oh, there might be something really interesting here. Mm. And he was presenting a computer programme on Radio 4 and he was uh, also a producer on there and was he came back and told me about it because I was programming on my ZX81. And I said, do you think it's real? And he went, I don't know. I mean, probably not. But it, it was such a big thing that he was so cross about. Mm. And, and you sort of wonder whether, um, you know, may, maybe you're right. Maybe there was a trickster spirit in the machine. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was going to have a much more tragic end, though. They invited the, the team round and they were like, oh, we need to get some light in here. Let's just unplug this and plug our light <laughs> no! in. No, I lost it. <laughs> I didn't save it. It just wiped out a civilization. There's a, there's a similar story, isn't there, with a the guy who created Sim City mm. that just before he, like, when he'd finished programming it and he'd been playing it and he'd got his little city perfect. And he was so tired, he fell asleep at his desk. Yeah. And he woke up about eight hours later and his whole city had turned into a jungle. Oh, and no. it just had been destroyed. Yeah. yeah. But weirdly, he thought, God, I'm on something really amazing here. If it just did that on its own yeah. while I was asleep, you yeah, kind of yeah. knew it was going to work. Yeah. That's crazy, that story, though. Oh, God, how weird would that be? The... I mean, that is a real... That's almost a real Tales of the Unexpected, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It is... Um, it's so Tales of the Unexpected, I suspect he he might have made it up. <laughs> right. Um, I think probably um, the first person 
to die of a software glitch. And this isn't, it's not a very nice topic, but I thought, well, you kind of got to trace it back. And I think the first person to directly be attributed to a software um, glitch is Vladimir uh, Komarov, which is, the pronunciation is exactly correct. So, okay. <laughs> I have, uh, it's, uh, it's not <laughs> April 1st, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, he died uh, as a cosmonaut in 1967. He was uh, he he he's obviously the uh, the pilot. He used to be a, a test pilot, and the only reason we know about this is because the US had listening posts in Turkey, and they were listening into the conversation between him and um, launch control, basically in the Soviet Union. He's in he's in Earth orbit, and. Uh, the software, n- not only was the, sh- the the ship shoddily constructed, but the software was so buggy and hadn't been tested. And the first, so that it's a, they're listening to it as a general thing that you do, listening into your enemy. And then they all pricked up their ears when he screams, you've killed me. And he knows he's never going to make it back to Earth. And he talks about how his cabin is heating up. And basically, um, he crashes back down to Earth, and but he's dead way before it goes back to Earth. And nobody quite knows exactly what went wrong because it's the Soviet Union. But it is largely attributed to um, the software and shoddy construction of the craft that was untested it was the space race after all Mm. but that appears to be the first direct relationship between software and somebody dying Mm. which i i thought was kind of tragic and made me um incredibly sad but the other um one that did come up while i was looking at this and this is a little bit more kind of philosophical is the fact that we didn't spot the ozone layer until many years after because in the code that was analyzing what was coming back from the satellites we should have spotted it in 1978 but it disregarded the upper and lower ends of the reporting frequency and threw them out so basically anything that looked like an anomaly was chucked out (laughs) and it wasn't until 1985 that somebody said perhaps this part of the code isn't exactly what we should be doing as soon as that was stripped out of the code, we realised that there There's was a massive, a massive hole in the wow, ozone layer. Wow, I never knew mm. that. And That's amazing. So when you look at attributable deaths to software, it's possible that there were people who died of like skin disease and stuff because we had decided in... Well, the programmers had decided to just um, throw away data that didn't make sense, and mm. that was in the code. Mm. Wow. So it can be deadly, um, not as deadly as Teddy Ruxpin <laughs> talking <laughs> about talking in tongues. Yeah. No, no. But I, I suppose my favourite story of so it's not exactly software going wrong, but people not understanding how to use software involves me and my mother. <laughs> Do you remember Orange Wildfire? So the the the, the um, the phone service Orange, yeah, mm-hmm. and it had uh, Wildfire, and that what Wildfire enabled you to do was send text messages via speech, so you could speak at a phone. Oh right, and it would turn it into a text message. Never catch on, <laughs> <laughs> and and vice versa, and so that meant that I was late picking my mum up for 
her birthday and as I stopped to get some petrol I texted her mobile phone she had one as well which is remarkable really and I said uh, I'm coming to get you and put a little kiss at the end <laughs> what I had done was put her home telephone number in there oh. which caused Orange to translate it and then phone her phone <laughs> well, Lisa, I'm coming to get you I'm coming to get you X is what she heard <laughs> Oh wow! by the time I arrived about she, half an hour later was she discombobulated she was more than discombobulated so I've had a funny robotic message on my phone saying someone's coming to get me uh, that, that is the start of Terminator yeah. isn't it <laughs> did it check if her name was your Sarah, Sarah Connor, Connor yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to get you <laughs> I'll be back, kiss. I'll be right back, kiss. I love you. Hasta la vista, Ben's mom. Your parents are dead. Actually, that was more Russian. I should have used that for the Russian story. Um, Well, seeing as the gremlins literally have deleted two pages of my notes, seeing as they're on Google Docs, let's go with it. That's remarkable. Yeah, Mm. Um, feels like a fitting end. It does. It does feel like. um, It does feel like a fitting end. So you're basically saying we would have had more of this episode, but it's been nixed by gremlins. It has been nixed by gremlins, and I feel so guilty for it because, as you saw me rapidly scrolling up and down my notes, I was like, maybe I. Where have I put them? What have I done with them? Goats in a machine. Ah, uh, well, any any more software stories before we... There's just the stories of, you know, people getting GPSed to, you know, dead-end streets and or roads with uh, Fords in them that are a lot deeper right. than they realised. But those are the kind of general, just you need to use common sense as well, the maps I, I, I did have that you. a little bit when, when I lived in Tokyo and you were driving, because mm. there's like multi-layered bridges... Oh, yeah. You'd yes. be halfway on a bridge and it'd say, turn left in 10 yards. It's like, I'm not doing that. There's not even a turning there. <laughs> oh. They'd get completely confused. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And Japan's difficult to navigate anyway because the streets have no name. Yeah. As, the, as you two sang. <laughs> yeah. And also, by the way, fun fact uh, the houses are numbered in the order they're built. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. Well, well, there was my half-researched episode. Well, it was still good, though. And um, once again, James, thank you for joining us. No problem, any time. Such Thanks a for pleasure having, having you on. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've done double gremlins over the last two weeks. We've done double gremlins. It's really tempting fate, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this is now Easter Monday. Hope you're full of chocolate and... Um, Looking forward to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and if you're listening to this on uh, the Tuesday, I hope you had a lovely Easter. How's work? <laughs> on any other day. On any other day. It's the Wednesday. Monday. How's work? <laughs> if you're listening to this in January 2025. Oh, tell us what happened. How was Easter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did our Patreon work? <laughs> All righty. Well, we'll be uh, back next week with more quantum mechanicsness, and uh, we'll see you then. Thank you. See you soon. Bye bye. Bye.
Are you the quantum mechanics?